Welcome to the Tech Meme Ride Home for Monday, October 31st, 2022. I'm Brian McCullough. Today, just massive wholesale changes happening at Twitter, including possibly making folks pay up for features. Pity the poor tech billionaires who have collectively lost half a trillion dollars in wealth this year. When the M2 MacBook Pros should be showing up, and what colors might you be blocked from using on Adobe products? Here's what you missed today in the world of tech. Did I really once say that once the Twitter deal closed, there would be sort of an end of new news around the whole thing? (sighs) So many threads to try to weave into a coherent tapestry for you. First of all, what we've been hearing is that a so-called war room was convened to work over the weekend to enact big changes now that Elon is in charge. Sriram Krishnan of A16Z confirmed he was one of those in the war room, prompting a lot of speculation that he'll be named Twitter CEO at some point. Also reported to be in the room with Elon himself are investor David Sachs, investor Jason Calacanis, So should we expect a special all-in podcast episode soon? Also, Elon's legal and finance team and a whole bunch of engineers from Tesla slash Boring Company. Why? Maybe to overhaul the Twitter product. Weirdly, though, the first change to the product seems to be this. Elon Musk directed Twitter executives to quietly change the homepage for logged-out users to the Twitter Explore page instead of a sign-up form. Quoting The Verge, Before, visiting Twitter's homepage while logged out showed only a sign-up form encouraging the creation of an account to view tweets. Musk's directive, which was implemented late Friday, required VP involvement to override a code freeze put in place to prevent rogue staffers from making changes during the takeover process. Though Musk didn't widely articulate a reason for the change, to the employees who observed it, the message was clear. No more sacred cows. Inside the old Twitter, such a decision would have been fought over between teams for weeks. But this was the new Twitter, as a former executive told me, quote, that's definitely one way to make it clear you're in charge now, end quote. Also, word that Twitter is strongly considering taking away its verified users' badges if they don't subscribe to Twitter Blue, and that Twitter Blue could soon cost $20 a month, which might actually be tied into getting verified, quoting Alex Heath. The directive is to change Twitter Blue, the company's optional $4.99 a month subscription that unlocks additional features, into a more expansive subscription that also verifies users, according to people familiar with the matter and internal correspondence seen by The Verge. Twitter is currently planning to charge $19.99 for the new Twitter Blue subscription. Under the current plan, verified users would have 90 days to subscribe or lose their blue checkmark. Employees working on the project were told on Sunday that they need to meet a deadline of November 7th to launch the feature or they will be fired, end quote. First, to note, as Emily GPU Prices said on Twitter, quote, there are about 300,000 verified Twitter accounts. If every single account opted to pay this fee, this would bring in about $18 million in revenue yearly. That's enough to pay off the $44 billion purchase price in slightly less than 2,500 years, end quote. Lots of snark about how $20 a month is way too high to get too many people to bite on this unless the advantages truly are expansive. But as to those Twitter employees, sources are reporting that Elon Musk plans to lay off, well, the numbers are all over the place. Some say 75%, some say 50%, some say at least 25% of Twitter's workforce in the coming days, focusing on roles in the sales, product, engineering, legal, and trust and safety teams. Also, there has been reporting that when Elon fired those four Twitter executives last week, including CEO Parag Agrawal, he did so for cause. 
in an apparent attempt to avoid those severance and unvested stock payouts that we spoke about last week. So expect more litigation soon, I guess. There's also been rumors that firings to regular staff might happen before other folks can claim originally stock-based payouts. Here's some reporting from friend of the show, Gergeli Oros, on Twitter, quote, What I'm hearing, lots of Twitter software engineers and managers working through the whole weekend to get the verified feature done by Wednesday, else they are told their whole team can be fired. Dozens of tickets closed on iOS, Android, etc. Takes time to ship completed work to Apple Store. Software engineers I talk to assume this arbitrary deadline serves several purposes. One, a test. It's expected many will be let go who are seen as less productive or unwilling to work long hours. Two, an early success story enabling immediate incremental revenue. Three, trigger resignations. There are people I talked with who did not go along with working over the weekend given they have families and a life outside of work. They're, of course, stressed on what will happen next. The ship it or get fired brings these stakes to a new level. And for what exactly? Then there are people who did go along with this and still got fired. I talked with an engineering manager who was at Twitter for five plus years and got laid off on Sunday for cause. They were too exhausted from working over the weekend to talk longer. They first need to sleep, end quote. Earlier in the weekend came news that General Motors has suspended its paid advertising on Twitter as the car company evaluates the, quote, direction of the platform under their new ownership, end quote. So, rumors of a staff mass casualty event. One wonders how efficiently the operations at Twitter will keep humming, with so many people sent out the door or at least demoralized, and advertisers already skittish around the whole situation. A reminder that Twitter faces around a billion dollars per year in interest expenses after Elon Musk's deal added $13 billion in debt up from around $50 million in debt that Twitter had in 2021 when operations generated around $633 million in cash flow. So, the clock is ticking. There isn't a ton of room for error here before Musk's bath taken on this whole deal could potentially get a lot warmer. Finally, this is tongue-in-cheek, obviously, but the joke here would be if you really wanted to play an angle on this whole deal finally coming to conclusion... You should have done it by buying Doge. Dogecoin apparently surged by nearly 75% on October 29th after Elon Musk took control of Twitter, its biggest daily gain since April 2021, and is up 150% since October 25. This is, I suppose, not unrelated to that. The Wall Street Journal has tallied up what has happened to the top 20 tech billionaires globally this year, and it ain't pretty. Quote, the world's richest tech moguls, including Mark Zuckerberg, Bill Gates, and Larry Ellison, have seen more than $480 billion in paper wealth disappear this year through Thursday, according to the Bloomberg Billionaires Index, a daily ranking of the richest people in the world. Mr. Zuckerberg's net worth fell by $11.2 billion alone on Thursday, according to the ranking. So far this year, the wealth of Meta's chief executive has fallen by more than $87 billion. That leaves him with a current net worth of $37.7 billion, good for the 28th richest person in the world, according to the index. By comparison, he was among the top 10 earlier this year. Elon Musk, the world's richest person, and Jeff Bezos, the founder of Amazon, have each seen more than $58 billion in wealth wiped away this year. Both entrepreneurs have jockeyed in the past for the bragging rights of being the world's richest person before Mr. Musk pulled away with a sizable lead. Google parent Alphabet co-founders Larry Page and Sergey Brin, who are among the 10 richest people in the world, have also seen their net worth dented. They have each lost more than $40 billion in paper wealth this year, with 
both taking hits this week after Alphabet reported its first-ever drop in YouTube year-over-year ad sales. Most of the richest tech entrepreneurs are a who's who of American tech tycoons, but a few of them are from outside the U.S. Jack Ma, for instance, built his e-commerce giant Alibaba from scratch into one of China's largest business empires. He has lost $9.3 billion in wealth this year, according to the index, and currently has a net worth of $29.1 billion. Of the 20 richest tech billionaires, only two have added money to their bottom lines since January 1st, according to the index. The wealth of Zhang Yiming, the founder of TikTok's owner ByteDance, has risen by $10.4 billion, and he's now currently worth $54.9 billion. Robert Para, the founder of wireless equipment maker Ubiquity and owner of the NBA's Memphis Grizzlies, has seen his wealth go up $1.3 billion, giving him a net worth of $14.7 billion, end quote. Recently, the world learned the power of artificial intelligence, a technology cybersecurity leaders have been leveraging for years. Now, as AI expands and evolves, those same security leaders are left wondering where humans fit into the next generation of AI-empowered security tools and solutions. Arctic Wolf, the industry leader in managed security operations, seeks to answer this question in their newly published report, The Human-AI Partnership. Access the insights of over 800 cybersecurity decision makers in North America and the United Kingdom to better understand how organizations are weighing the benefits and risks of deploying AI tools. Uncover the biggest obstacles to turning AI and human engineers into a formidable team. Discover why the near-term benefits of large language models are being upended by a crucial flaw in the technology. And learn what the rise of AI tools mean for human practitioners moving forward. Get your copy today at arcticwolf.com slash techmeme. That's arcticwolf.com slash techmeme. Want a better way to simplify your business finances across expenses, vendor payments, and accounting? If so, Ramp could be a complete game changer. Ramp is the corporate card and spend management software designed to help you save time and put money back in your pocket. Ramp gives finance teams unprecedented control and insight into company spend. With Ramp, you're able to issue cards to every employee with limits and restrictions and automate expense reporting so you can stop wasting time at the end of every month. Ramp's accounting software automatically collects receipts and categorizes your expenses in real time so you don't have to. You'll never have to chase down a receipt again, and your employees will no longer spend hours submitting expense reports. The time you'll save each month on employee expenses will allow you to close your books eight times faster. Ramp's also saves you money. Businesses that use Ramp save an average of 5% the first year. Ramp is easy to use. Get started, issue virtual and physical cards, and start making payments in less than 15 minutes, whether you have five employees or 5,000. And now, get $250 when you join Ramp. Just go to ramp.com slash techmeme. Ramp.com slash techmeme. R-A-M-P dot com slash techmeme. Another weekend, another update from Mark Gurman's weekly Apple Rumors newsletter. He says this week that Apple plans to launch M2-based versions of the 14- and 16-inch MacBook Pros in early March next year. The M2 Max will have 12 CPU cores and 38 GPU cores, according to Mark. Quote, I'm told that Apple is aiming to introduce the upgraded models, including M2-based versions of the 14- and 16-inch MacBook Pros, in the first quarter of calendar 2023 and has tied the launches to the upcoming macOS Ventura 13.3 and iOS 16.3 updates. Those software updates are expected to debut between early February and beginning of March. 
Apple has rarely launched new products in January or February during recent years, so I expect the new Macs to be announced by the first half of March. That aligns with the planned ship dates for the corresponding software, but also makes sense in light of Apple's recent history of launching new Macs during that month, including the Mac Studio this year. While Apple had aimed to release the new MacBook Pros as early as this fall, the company's internal plans, confirmed by public comments this past week, have shut the door on that. During the company's quarterly earnings call Thursday, Chief Executive Officer Tim Cook called the product line set for this holiday season. Luca Mestri, Apple's chief financial officer, gave us even stronger confirmation. He said that Apple's holiday quarter, which ends on December 31st, would see revenue growth decelerate compared with the previous period, in part because there will be no major MacBook Pro launch like there was in the prior year. Apple introduced the redesigned 14- and 16-inch MacBook Pros with the M1 Pro and M1 Max chips last October, contributing to $10.9 billion in Mac revenue in the holiday quarter. This time around, expect the Mac revenue number to come in far below that, end quote. We've got another one. The Reserve Bank of India says it plans to begin testing its central bank digital currency on November 1st, with nine banks participating and a retail version of the currency by the end of November, quoting Coindesk. The RBI said a pilot of the retail version is planned for launch within a month in select locations in closed user groups comprising customers and merchants. The bank published a 50-page concept note for the introduction of a central bank digital currency earlier this month. India will have a prominent role in framing global crypto regulation when it takes over the G20 presidency for one year, starting from December 1st, 2022 till November 30th, 2023. And the nation's finance minister, Nirmala Sitharaman, has said crypto will be part of the agenda. Since early 2021, it's been known that 80% of central banks around the world are exploring CBDCs. Recently, Australia's central bank started a CBDC research project and announced plans to complete the pilot by mid-2023. And the central banks of Israel, Norway, and Sweden have teamed up to explore retail CBDCs, end quote. Again, so much action in the whole design slash stock photo slash productivity space recently. Adobe apps will no longer support Pantone-owned colors for free due to a licensing change. Users of Adobe products would need an Adobe plugin costing $15 a month to continue accessing Pantone colors, quoting Kotaku. Pantone has been around since the 1950s. The New Jersey company originally refined printing inks, then later invented the Pantone color matching system, used worldwide by designers to ensure a creation's color will be exactly as desired no matter where or how it's manufactured. So, of course, in becoming the industry standard for color matching, the company naturally asserts ownership of all 2,161 hues, defending its intellectual property and preventing its unlicensed use. This extends as far as preventing others from creating Pantone-compatible color systems. Or to put it another way, they claim to own colors. Last year's announcement that Adobe would be removing the Pantone color books from its software brought consternation in the design world. One industry standard being removed from another was obviously going to create issues, but at the time, Adobe said it would be, quote, working on an alternative solution, while rumors spread that the companies had had a falling out. Since then, the official reasons given haven't made a great deal of sense. According to Pantone, the two companies started working together in the 1990s, but, quote, since 2010, the Pantone color libraries within Adobe's apps have not been updated. This apparently means they're, quote, significantly out of date and missing hundreds of new Pantone colors. 
This means that Pantone and Adobe have together decided to remove the outdated libraries and jointly focus on an improved in-app experience that better serves our users, end quote. The removal of Pantone's colors from Adobe's software was meant to happen on March 31st this year, but that date came and went. It was then due for August 16 and then August 31st. However, this month, people are noticing the effects reporting issues with creations using Pantone's spot colors. And the solution? It's an Adobe plugin to, quote, minimize workflow disruptions and to provide the updated libraries to the Adobe Creative Cloud users, end quote, which, of course, costs $15 a month. It's Netflix, but for coloring in. However, Pantone still states in its out-of-date FAQ that, quote, this update will have minimal impact on a designer's workflow. Existing Creative Cloud files and documents containing Pantone color references will keep those color identities and information, end quote. Yet today, people are reporting that their Photoshop is informing them, quote, this file has Pantone colors that have been removed and replaced with black due to changes in Pantone's licensing with Adobe, end quote. Others have reported that even attaching a Pantone license within Photoshop isn't fixing the issue. Colors still replaced by black, and workarounds sound like a pain. A tip suggested by Print Week is to back up your Pantone libraries, then re-importing them when your Adobe software updates to remove them, or if it's too late, finding a friend who already did. There's a good chance this will work, given Pantone's colors are stored as .acb files, just as the rest of Photoshop's colors." End quote. Hey, I could use a hand with something. I've got a portfolio company that I've not been able to bring on the show yet, but they've just closed their first big round and they've got money to spend, so they want to up their cybersecurity game. If their main focus is finding a kick-ass security service that is strong at continuous penetration testing, who would you recommend I send to them? Who's your favorite vendor in the space that a young seed company could fit in well with? Send your ideas to me on Twitter at BrianMCC or email me at brian at ridehomefund.com. Thanks in advance. Talk to you tomorrow.